welcome to this episode of ONS Energy Talks. My name is Inger Johanna Stenberg and I work with communications in ONS. This episode is recorded at the ONS Net Zero Markets kickoff in Stavanger. And Net Zero Markets, this is our dedicated venue when we dive deeper into renewable and low carbon technologies and market opportunities. And we are very lucky to have with us five committees working on creating the content. And in these committees, we have top level people working on hydrogen, offshore wind, batteries, solar power, and not to forget carbon capture and storage. In this episode, we want to learn a little bit more about how hydrogen and renewable power can play together. Is it a match made in heaven? And to help us learn a little bit more, we have Martin Kjell Olsson from Vergia, and we have Holger Mathisen from Mainstream Renewable Power. Welcome. Before we get started with the main topic, let us hear a little bit more about you two. Uh, Holger, you work closely with both hydrogen and offshore wind. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that is. Happy to do so. So so I have basically two hats. One hat is with Arca Horizon. And here I'm uh, doing business development for hydrogen, all sorts of colors uh, in continental Europe. And then I'm having a role also in mainstream renewable powers, which is majority owned by Arca Horizon. And here I'm responsible for uh, offshore wind development in Europe and global new markets. And I believe it's a match make in heaven. Good. That's a good starting point. Martin, you also have one leg in uh, wind and one in hydrogen. Uh, I do have a leg in both and uh, the match is very good. I don't know where it was made, but it's an excellent match. So I agree to that. Uh, and thank you for hosting us. Uh, yeah, Verja is uh, a new company, a small development company. So we were established last year by a long-term hydropower producer, Arndals Fossil Company, an equally energy investor company. And uh, in terms of offshore wind, uh, we are tendering now for the acreages uh, in Norway together with Vattenfall. So uh, hopefully we will become uh, uh, offshore wind player. But uh, for now, we are early phase development in that regard. And in uh, hydrogen, we have a technology company for offshore hydrogen production, but uh, more so we have a development company as well for ammonia, which is a, a derivative of uh, power also and very much related to hydrogen being a step after. So, uh, And of course, uh, when we make it, we need uh, some power to make it. So uh, the match is there and hopefully it's a good one also for uh, when we make the ammonia. It's all connected. So it... it it's worth noting before we go on that hydrogen um, is an energy carrier. It's not energy as we normally have talked about energy. So that's uh, good to have in mind. And let's go a little bit more further in depth. Since you both have a significant role in both offshore wind and um, and the offshore part of the energy production, really uh, traditional, let's talk a little bit more about offshore we know a lot about offshore wind already. We know offshore oil and gas, of course. Uh, but how does hydrogen fit in this puzzle? Holger, you first. Yeah, let, let's start uh, by echoing what you said. So it's a hydro uh, hydrogen is an energy carrier, right? Uh, it's also obviously a product that is used in the chemical industry, but it's a carrier. And what you need for this is electricity first. So uh, offshore wind, uh, in, in our view, is a key pillar in 
further increasing the amount of green electricity in Europe and that then needs to be converted into hydrogen in order to create a, a sustainable and, and better to uh, transport kind of carrier as well as a storage uh, means. And, and that's why, why we leave it, it both fits together. Let's talk about storage, uh, Martin, because uh, it's not a traditional battery per se. Well, uh, it can be a battery. Uh, I mean, uh, hydrogen can be many, many things. It's a carrier of the energy from A to B. It's also fuel, as uh, Holger said. Uh, I mean, then speaking of uh, battery, it can be that as well. I mean, looking if you have it in a pipe, for example, between an offshore wind farm and uh, where it needs to go. Uh, you can play a little bit uh, on the pre pressure uh, on each end there. So in, as, uh, in essence, having the hydrogen pipe as a storage on its own, at least it, it's a good bu buffer. So making it a little bit uh, more easy to match the production of the electricity and uh, energy consumption, which doesn't match always uh, automatically, right? So in that sense, it has some good properties uh, to do it. But also reflecting a little bit on uh, on the previous question to Holger as well on the why it's wh why is offshore wind uh, uh, a good match with uh, hydrogen? Uh, yeah, there are many reasons. Today you are curtailed or shut out uh, from the uh, power grid uh, quite a lot of the time because grid investments are not keeping pace. It might happen that they ramp up, but it's much more cost uh, less costly to build a pipe per meter per um, amount of energy carried than to build uh, a cable. So uh, that's one of the reasons why this could make sense. And there are many more, which I'm sure we will talk about. Are there any geographical location this match work where it works better? Well, I, c I could maybe start by our activities in Norway, right? So Arca Horizons has uh, hydrogen projects that are based on uh, the currently already green produced electricity, uh, mainly from hydropower in Norway. And and that's obviously a super match and, and the starting point for uh, doing it. But but then there are other parts in Europe where where there's not uh, sufficient uh, green electricity so so that requires then a further build out of renewable energy as a prerequisite for then producing uh, hydrogen if we talk green hydrogen and and that's why why i believe uh, in in those jurisdictions and you could take germany where i'm coming from as an example where the build out of offshore wind would then also lead to a further increase in producing Uh, green hydrogen, which is then uh, kind of the the basis for for further usage in the industry in in Germany and and Europe. Let us say that if we do not develop or produce or ramp up hydrogen production and we do not ramp up battery production, then we will have an issue with renewable sources just because the intermittency of it all. It's it's difficult to distribute at a Um, a pace we will need uh, at any given time. So is batteries or hydrogen, especially then, is, is that a prerequisite for the massive scaling up of renewables we will need? Yeah, maybe not hydrogen per se, but you need energy storage. Uh, is various forms of energy storage, which caters to different um, time periods right so you would need batteries uh, to take care of uh, really fast fluctuations of what you just said and then you would need 
some uh, storage media or ways of storing energy that uh, caters to the more uh, longer time periods. I mean, in Norway, for example, you have great batteries uh, already uh, in the shape of uh, reservoir or dams, uh, the water in the dams uh, behind or before the hydro power plants. So that, that's an excellent battery already. And then hydrogen can also play its role, right, uh, in, in, in um, different uh, shapes and forms uh, along uh, the way there. Uh, maybe somewhere in the middle <laughs> between those two. So, uh, yeah, the answer is uh, yes, you would need some sort of uh, buffer and hydrogen uh, can be one of those. I, I would probably go one step further and, and it's a little bit uh, simplistic what I'm saying now, but, but let me still do it. A lot of people in Germany, they have their heating based on natural gas, right, at home uh, with, with a small device that is hanging usually in the cellar. And, and this needs to be converted now to the new energy world. So either there will be a new carrier uh, arriving at home, which, which should be hydrogen in the end, or you must fully convert then the respective device into, for example, electrical heating, etc., um, and and here my personal belief is hydrogen is the best option to uh, to kind of convert the entire industry so it would not only be the industry that would be converted but it would would even go up to the to the end consumer at home who's then heating through hydrogen but that's an interesting uh, example because I think maybe in the northern or the Scandinavian countries uh, where everything is electrified, with uh with water or really um we we don't necessarily think about the gas or the hydrogen at home in uh, the residential areas uh, when people let's dive a little deeper into that because if people already now have gas at home will they be open to have hydrogen at home do you think it it does have an explosive history unfortunately it <laughs> It it does, yeah, and and I'm not saying that that uh, there there might not be skepticism around it, but but if the alternative is is converting everything into electrical kind of heating or district heating, where you would then have to to kind of distribute new uh, piping systems, etc., then I guess a lot of people would be more open, particularly if also then the the electricity uh, the the energy would be coming to an affordable price which is the working assumption for for all our activities. We see a lot of enthusiasm about hydrogen, but uh, there's also a lot of skepticism. How will this ever be profitable? Uh, do you guys believe it's... Will it make sense pr uh, financially uh, soon, anytime? Well, uh, I mean, you already today have a lot of applications or demand for hydrogen. So the, the demand is there and will probably grow, right? You will re replace some... Uh, not to sustainable gases with uh, hydrogen. So, so I'm not so worried about uh, the demand. And then on the supply side, of course, uh, what you need to begin with it uh, is uh, uh, power. So you need to get the cost down for power production. But that is happening. I mean, you could look at the cost curves for wind, for solar, for uh, yeah, whatever else, right? And it's falling quite uh, dramatically. And the more we... Uh, add to the mix the 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 lower the unit cost. So I'm I'm quite optimistic there that we will have uh, uh, 
uh, a price level that is uh, quite uh, absorbable, absorbable for uh, any markets, uh, really. I'm not worried at all. Yes, absolutely. I fully support that. So so the prerequisite is an affordable price level for uh, green electricity, and, and that is happening. And we have seen that for all technologies, starting with solar, then onshore wind. Now, offshore wind has, has, uh, has seen a steep uh, decrease uh, in terms of levelized cost of energy. And then you, you might need some some kind of support mechanism to start the market off. But that has been the case with all uh, technologies in the past, right? So so in Europe, you had to uh, subsidize uh, nuclear, you had to subsidize coal, etc. So so there might be some support needed from the political level also for hydrogen for a certain uh, transitional period. But then it will be uh, market exposed and it will work out. That's my belief. Now we're, we're talking mainly in this... Um up to now more about the the green hydrogen uh with connections to renewables uh, whether it's solar or hydro or offshore wind but what about when the value chain is up and running does the color of hydrogen really matter well i might i might kick it off and and i admit that it's You're a little bias. bit of a biased uh, <laughs> view uh, from uh from my perspective but but I think what what is now common sense uh, in, in for most of the people I'm talking to and and including myself is that you need blue hydrogen to start with for uh, a period to to have sufficient volumes um, to to start everything off. So so that's pretty clear. But in the long run, I think color does matter. And in the long run, in my personal belief, green is the color that uh, uh, people and society would like to see. And it's also doable, right? So uh, the, the, the question, which is more a detailed question, is how long will the transitional period take where, where blue and green is mixed? But, uh, but I'm sure we will fun, find common grounds unless the, the final goal is clear for everyone that it should be green. Before I let you say something, Martin, uh, I, I would have to explain for the listeners unless or um, if they are not uh, well aware with the colors of hydrogen that it's not actually a color. It's not in any color. Uh, the hydrogen which comes in and uh, is stored in a pipeline or a residential area or something is... I guess clear or non-color, it happens to be where it comes from, uh, what it's produced from or by. So, Martin, what did you want to say? Yeah, exactly. I know I agree with what uh, Holger is saying. I'm quite uh, color agnostic in the short term, and then tend to lean on towards green for the long term. But, however, another perspective there in, in the short term is uh, the an enablement uh, of the um, offshore uh, no the oil and gas uh, supply chain so we talked a little bit about uh, getting cost levels down and it's important and, uh, to do that and if we are really to uh, are going to do that at a fast pace we need to enable a broader supply base into these industries than what we have today including then players then that have traditionally just catered to oil and gas and uh, one way of really getting them of, uh, on board uh, as broad as we want to is to maybe accept blue hydrogen uh, uh, to a little bit larger degree in the beginning 
than we um, otherwise uh, would have done. So, so that's just another factor. One being get the markets going, but also second, as I said, to enable the supply chain. As well. That's a very pragmatic view, I, I, I think, because uh, we all know that in all types of energy uh, industry, I think the lack of people uh, going forward will be very high on the agenda. This has been a very interesting conversation. I do think we can conclude with uh, hydrogen and uh, renewable energy. It's a match made in heaven. And I do think you guys will make sure that this is high on the agenda at ONS 2024 as well. Thank you so much for coming. Holger Mathisen from Mainstream Renewables and Martin Kjell Olsson from Vergia. Uh, this was ONS Energy Talks. My name is Inger Johannes Stenberg, and you can find more podcasts where you find your podcasts. You can also subscribe, and please do so. Follow us on LinkedIn and ons.no for more updates. Thank you. <laughs>